It was 2010 and I decided to write my own Craigslist ad to find that special someone. <laughs> In it were all the proverbial definites. Had to have an open heart, had to be really funny, had to be not really religious, and had to be at least six feet tall or taller. I wanted to finally look someone right in the eye. So of all the emails that came back, there was actually one response that was kind of fun. He said that, surprisingly, he didn't make, meet the mark because he, although he was qualified, he was one inch shy of six feet tall. And I enjoyed that. Um, we continued to talk over, Facebook, over email, and at that time in 2010, we didn't share photos. It was, uh, it was more of the, the words that mattered. He invited me to meet him, and so I drove down to Girdwood on a Saturday, and I was driving into his driveway, and I got that warm, fuzzy feeling like I was in Homer. It just felt like really something good was happening. <laughs> And before I could just turn the car off, I looked, and there he came walking towards me, these beautiful blue eyes and this incredible smile. And he was so tall. And he put his hands on the car window, and he said, I'm John. And I was like, ooh. Uh, he said, <laughs> Before anything happens, I have to tell you that this might not go well, and you might end up leaving, and that's okay, but I have to tell you something. And I thought, well, what could possibly be? And I said, sure. And he said, well, I have cancer, and I'm dying. And I turned away, and I breathed from my feet up into my chest, and I turned back, and I said, Okay, I'm here, so let's go in and chat. And so we did. He walked me into his place, and he gave me a tour of this cabin-slash-house that he and his dad had built many years ago. And we chatted, and he invited me to bake cookies. And John makes the most incredible cookies. They are full of chocolate and toffee and peanut butter and love. And they're made by hand. And we ate warm cookies and we laughed, and we chatted about uh, his ex-girlfriend and her two kids, and how uh, he had fallen in love with them, and they had somehow, maybe the cancer uh, allowed them to depart early, and uh, then he talked about the therapy, the radiation that he was getting on his collarbone that wasn't there anymore. Um, he was going to Providence and getting three treatments a week. And I thought, how do you do that? I mean, you get radiation and then you drive back to Girdwood? And he said, well, I go about 95 miles an hour and by the time I get sick, I'm back home. <laughs> and uh, I thought to myself, well, hey, why don't you come and stay with me on the days that you have radiation because I live three minutes away from Providence. So he did, he came and the first night, uh, I actually got a chance to work on his collarbone-less area and it was full of scar tissue and it was burnt and he was amazed that I was actually touching him. I think it's been a long time, he said. And I really worked on it and it felt like I was helping him, though it hurt him tremendously. 
Well, he ended up staying through uh, not just those three nights, but he stayed and I worked on him and that kind of physical touch deepened our relationship really, really quickly. It was magical. And then after 28 days, uh, the doctors called him and said that they had found out that uh, they couldn't find any more cancer in that area and he was elated. Well, it turns out so was his ex. And she had actually been chatting with him and the kids were really missing him and so I realized that the only thing standing in John's way of that was me. So I decided to write that proverbial Dear John letter, you know, Dear John. Um, it's only been 28 days and though I've grown to love you, I think it's easier for me to let you go. Um, and I can get over this, I can, I can heal. So I gave him the note and I let John go. Uh, four years into the future and I have a new job and my life is really good and I'm late at my job one night about 11.30 and I get a phone call and the person asks for me and they have a voice that I know and he says, you remember me? And I'm like, John? It's the man I fell in love with. Of course I remember that guy. So um, he says, he told me that night that the cancer had come back. This time it was in his lungs, in his liver, and the woman who ended up marrying him was now leaving him for the second time. Uh, he asked if I would come over, and I did. I did that very night. I went to his house, there were some people there, John was splayed out on the couch, he looked horrible. And I sat on the couch and I put his head in my lap, and I touched him again, and all those feelings just came rushing up. I knew I was still in love with this man. And I decided right then that I could help him. I could do what he needed and spend nights with him because he was scared he was gonna lose a lung or, or just die in the middle of the night and not be there with somebody. So I decided, yes, I can do this. So not long after that, you know, it was good, it was really, it was wonderful for what I could see, what I could feel. But those days uh, got long and, and cancer is a bitch. And John was so, so intense about it. And every day that John fought cancer, he fought it from the morning he woke up until the next morning he woke up. And that kind of fight that John had spewed out into his relationships, and specifically with me. And it happened all the time. And there were times that were just so ugly that, frankly, I don't have a lot to talk about that. I can't do it right now. And I realized that what I'd much rather do is remember John. Remember that John that I knew in Girdwood. And remember who he was. So 15 months after I moved in with John, I left for my own sake, for my own perspective of life and health. And to this day, I'll just say that uh, John is likely here in this audience, so if you happen to see this amazing blue-eyed man, just might be him.